Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the message. Good afternoon, Church Alive. How are you guys doing today? If you haven't noticed, I am not Pastor Anthony, but I will be sharing the word with you guys today. Before we get started, let's stand up for the reading of the word. What I love about the 1245 service, first things, is that it's 140 degrees outside, and you all still showed up. So thank you very much for that. Second thing is, there isn't another, another service after this, so you know this is going to be the best. So I'm happy you're here for the next four and a half hours to join us on this journey. So the first time guests are like, what the heck is going on right now? All right, so let's look at the screen, and we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 4 to 10 together. So, then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling us at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Lord, we just give this afternoon to you right now, God. We know that you are here and you are present. You are big enough to talk to every single person in this room, but intimate enough to speak to us individually. Open our eyes to see you in a fresh, new, powerful way. Open our ears to hear your voice. Soften our hearts to receive what you have to say. Speak, Lord. We are listening. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. And you guys can be seated at this time. Can we give a round of applause for the worship team? How awesome are they? So before I get started, I do want to give honor where honor is due. Pastor Miriam, Pastor Anthony have sacrificed so much for this church over the years. I mean, we've seen people's marriages being restored, people breaking addictions, and it's literally Two people who had a dream, who had a vision, who answered the call of God on their life so that we can step into our destiny and answer our call that God has for us. So can we just honor them right now really quick? So those of you that don't know me, my name is Noelia. I'm the fearless youth leader here at Church Alive. I got to run our youth ministry. I've got two incredible parents. They had three kids. I'm one of them. And the reason they had three kids is because they didn't want four. And when we were younger, we used to go on these little trips and like little vacations and road trips and so on and so forth. And they were a lot of fun, you know. You get to spend time with your family. You save money on accommodations. You don't have that stress like from traveling. And it's just a good on time that you get to enjoy time off. And whether it's a staycation or a vacation, one of the things that I enjoy doing is just turning off my phone, like disconnecting completely. It's like the second that thing goes off, you have like this sudden like mental break that occurs. And you feel like you have this power like to avoid any unnecessary distractions coming into your life. And it just brings like complete rest, honestly. At least for me, it does when I do that. 
And a lot of times we try to find rest and we think that we need to find rest from God instead of finding rest in God. And the truth is that real rest is found not in the condition we're in, but in our position in him. And when we step into the presence of God, we actually create this atmosphere of faith that's going to re-energize you and prepare you for what's going to lie ahead. How many of you guys have ever done something where you thought it was a good idea, maybe even harmless, and then you came to regret it? All right, so 245 liars. So here's what we're going to do. I was about 15 years old, and my friend had like a two-and-a-half-year-old son, and we are in Spain at my grandmother's house, and my grandmother at the time had a whole bunch of chickens, like, walking around, running around the backyard. So he thought it was a good idea that we should go in the chicken's pen and run around the backyard and go see the chickens. And as a 15-year-old, I followed the lead of a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I was like, absolutely, let's go. So we're walking around, and, you know, we see all the chickens and everything else, and we're about 20 feet away from the gate before we exit. And as we're walking around, I noticed in the corner of my eye, there was like this rooster that was following us the whole time. But he was like two feet ahead of us each time. So I'm about to approach the gate. We're about to leave. I have this kid right next to me, and the rooster comes right in front. So I'm looking at it like, what is happening right now? Like, I don't know what's going to go on. So this thing decides to slightly squat down, moves his shoulders. I didn't even know roosters had shoulders. Moves his shoulders around. Feathers on his neck start to, like, widen completely, and this thing jumps right at me, ready to claw out my eyes. I roundhouse kicked the heck out of that thing so hard. Now, hold on. Before I get emails complaining from all you vegans, I do not believe in animal cruelty. I do not believe in hitting animals or anything like that. But when something attacks me, ready to eat me, when I was created to eat it, I am going to kick that thing and get it out of there. So now I have this two and a half year like next to me. This thing like flies about like five feet, drops to the ground, shakes itself off like nothing happened, and starts wobbling over next to us again. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? So it gets ready to attack. And I have this child right next to me, and I'm like, I almost got killed once. Like, this is no joke. So I pick up the child. I'm not proud of this moment. No, I didn't. But I thought about it. I thought about it. All right? So at this point, the rooster comes again, attacks again. I kick it again. Like, my five years of martial arts training at the time is, like, really coming in handy here. Kick the thing again, comes back again. So at this point, I give up. So I'm like, you know what? I am not dealing with this. Like, I need help. So I start screaming, Abuela! Those of you that don't watch Dora, that means grandma. So I start yelling, Abuela! Abuela comes out. She's, like, in her 70s at this point. She comes out. She sees what's happening. She goes, she does not pick up a stick. She does not pick up a broom. That's usually our line of defense, by the way. She comes out. My grandfather had just finished chopping down all this wood for our stove, wood-burning stove thingy. She goes, she picks up what's left of the tree trunk, picks it up. This thing attacks, wails it like she's Derek Jeter, hits a home run, thing doesn't even think twice about getting back up towards us. She looks at it, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah. She's like, that's dinner tomorrow. I was like, oh my goodness. So yeah, we haven't seen Paco since then, but he was delicious. And here's the thing, when I called, <laughs> when I called, my grandmother answered like right away. She did not look at me like, what were you doing? She didn't reprimand me for putting myself in a situation I was not prepared for. She didn't make me beg for help. Literally, I called. She answered, she ran, she took care of that situation. 
There's another thing I used to do with my younger sister when we were younger, and she's not here, so I can share all these stories. So when we were younger, we used to get into these little altercations, you know, like siblings do that sometimes, apparently. So we used to get into fights, and I knew if I hit her, I would get in trouble. So what I would do, I would drop her and sit on her. And once she apologized, and I feel that she truly repented against the sins against me, I would get up, run like I was like running in the Olympics, and go hide before she could chase me down. And I wonder how many of us look at Jesus like a sibling that's sitting on us, applying pressure until we can't take it anymore, and begging for help, rather than like abuela, that once we're in trouble, we call him, he answers, he responds right away, he's there to always be by our side for anything and everything that we need. You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus deals with a similar situation with Peter. Jesus is walking on water. Peter wants to do the same. And as long as his eyes are focused on Jesus during this time, everything is fine. But the moment he took his eyes away from Jesus, Peter begins to sink. Why? He's more focused on the distractions around him than the faith within him. But the second he calls out for Jesus and he's closer to his presence, Jesus reaches out and helps him out. You know, there's a lot of people that a lot of times they say, I'm trying to find God. But the reality is that God is always with us. He's always present with us. Since the beginning of time, it's people who run away from God and God that's chasing after us, trying to find us. So the title of my message today is Staying Close to the Presence of God. So we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel. And just to give you a brief summary, during this time, for about 200 years, or a little bit over 200 years, we had judges that were ruling over Israel. And the last two judges were Eli and Samuel. And Samuel, we read a little bit about him right now. But the passage of scripture I'm going to read to you guys is going to be about his mother, Hannah, and what she went through. So in 1 Samuel, it's going to be chapter 1, verse 2. And I'm going to be jumping around, but the verses will be on the screens for you guys as well. So it says this in verse 2, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. So picture this. You're married. Your husband has another wife. The other wife is able to have children. You're not. So that's already a struggle in itself. You're faithful, you're believing, you don't see anything come to pass. And then you have Peninnah who's taunting her, basically mocking her for not being able to have children. You know, have you ever prayed for something where you honestly believed in your soul that it was going to come to pass, but then during the waiting, during the process of God working in you so that he could work through you, you felt like nothing was going to happen? So you start looking at your family, you start looking at your friends, or better yet, the best source of reality, social media. And you start looking at all these other blessings that other people seem to have, and you forget about the blessings that you already have. You see, God blessing others doesn't steal the blessing from you. So Hannah is faced with a difficult situation. Is she going to go public with her struggles? and vent to anyone and everyone that's going to listen, put those cryptic, you know, Facebook messages up on Facebook, or is she going to turn to the one that can actually do something about it? So then it continues in verse 8, and here's what it says. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? 
Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? I'm going to pause there for a second. Now, I don't have children or a husband. However, if your woman is crying hysterically and she's having a really rough time, asking her, aren't I better than what you want? <laughs> don't ask a question. You're probably never ready for that answer. So chocolate, wine, you know, water with lemon, whatever. But just make sure that you ask the right questions at the right time. Moving on. So verse 10 over here, here's what it says. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. The Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. You see, Hannah brought her prayers honestly to God. There's seasons in life where we can go through barrenness, whether it's in our jobs, in our relationships, in dreams that we had where we feel like nothing is coming to fruition, like nothing is happening. And it's really difficult to pray in faith when you can't see those things happening. But Hannah teaches us that the way to get God to move is through faith and through prayer. You see, the only thing worse than waiting on God is wishing that we did. So how do we stay close to the presence of God? The first point for today, you stay close to the presence of God by being engaged. There's a difference between being engaged and being present. I can be present for all three services, sing all the songs, clap along, probably off beat, and do all the stuff during worship. That does not mean that I am engaged and I am worshiping. So in Colossians 4.2, it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In chapter 2, after she has Samuel, she starts her, off her prayer like this. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Hannah was in anguish and didn't hide how she was feeling from God. But she didn't stay there. She was present in the pain but she was engaged in her relationship with God through prayer. When we're engaged, we're intentionally committed. We're not just going through the motions. She remembered God's faithfulness, how good he is. And even though she was having a hard time trusting what he said, she could trust his character and his sovereignty. And that's all she needed, all the faith she needed to turn to God. You know, it's bad enough that she's struggling with infertility, but also having someone constantly remind you of what you're going through, it's so easy to sulk, to get upset, go hide in a corner, and just give up. You guys ever go to family reunions? The last time you saw that one cousin or that one aunt, you were about five years old, right? Now you're a grown person, you have a college degree, great career, and they see you, and all they do is remind you, when you were little, you threw the worst tantrums, or you were so spoiled, da 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 da, -da. Or remember that mistake, and they just keep bringing that up and up and up. But you have a choice. You're either engaged in the pettiness or you're engaged in the presence of God. But we can't do both of them. The second point, how do we stay close to the presence of God? By listening to the voice of God. There's a difference between hearing the voice of God and listening to the voice of God. Those of you that are parents, there's a difference between your kids hearing you and your kids listening to you. So in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to go back to the verse that we started off with in the beginning where it says, The Lord called Samuel, Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, 
here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down, and again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And I want to stay on that verse for a second. If you've never really thought about God, believed in him, or even really followed him, is it possible that even though you're not talking to him, he's talking to you? If you just slow down a bit, you know, there's other voices in your life that can be super loud sometimes, be a distraction. But if you just slow down and actually take the time to listen, is it possible that God's been trying to whisper into your life? In verse 8, it continues to go, and it says, The third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So he told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Listening to the voice of God requires obedience. Samuel heard. He listened. He took action. He got up. He responded to the voice. Some of us, opportunity is knocking, and we're complaining about the noise. What we need to do is we need to listen. First comes obedience. Get up, answer that door. Then comes the promise. Then come the blessings. In the book of Chronicles, this is what obedience looks like when we obey and listen to the voice of God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, here's what it says. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. So what does obedience look like? We're going to keep that verse up there for a moment just so you guys can see it. But it says that we need to humble ourselves. I need to get my pride out of the way. A lot of times we think that the reason we're not being blessed is because of the devil. The reason we're not getting blessed is because of the coworker who might sound like the devil, all right? But the reality is it's us and our pride. We need to get up, humble ourselves, seek God's face, and make sure that we get our pride out of the way. And the words of the apostle, Kendrick Lamar, be humble. All right? Then we got, yes, it's a crowd under 30. All right. The next one, it says we need to pray. What is prayer? It's a conversation. That's all it really is. Sometimes the deepest prayers are six words. I can't do this. Help me. Jesus, you know, always end with who you want help from. So the prayers are a simple conversation. It's all it is. When Jesus, right before his crucifixion, I always say this word wrong, the Garden of Gethsemane, if that's wrong, talk to Pastor Magnol. He'll fix it for you later, all right? (laughs) And he's praying the night before his crucifixion, and he's literally going to God the Father, and he says, I don't want to do this. This is too hard. This is too painful. If there's any other way, don't make me do this. That's an honest prayer. It's a real conversation. But Jesus humbled himself and finishes the prayer by saying, but not my will, but your will be done. A question I hear a lot of people asking, too, is how long should I pray? And I heard an awesome response from a pastor once where he said, I never pray longer than 20 minutes 
but I never go longer than 20 minutes without prayer. In other words, he makes prayer just part of his routine. He makes being and stepping into the presence of God part of his routine. Having conversations when he goes for a run, just talking in his car, listening to music, listening to the book on CD, the Bible, all that stuff. It's always part of his routine. It's never something where it's an obligation. So the next part of the verse, it says here, seek his face. How many of you guys have ever played hide and seek with kids? Like, raise your hands. Okay, so when I babysit my friend's kids, especially when they're younger, I mean, I don't look, I seek. I'll give you a difference. When I go shopping, I look. I hate shopping. So what I do is I walk into a store, I look around, yep, they got nothing, and I walk right out. The only time I spend more time in is Carvel. There I really do seek, like, to find out which flavor I want, right? But when it comes to clothes shopping, any of that stuff, that is not for me. So when I play hide and seek, and these kids are hiding, I literally pull couch cushions out of the couch. I turn tables upside down. I move chairs out of the way. I am seeking for these kids. I am going out of my way until I find them. And that's what it means with God. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not here. We make too many decisions based on our emotions and our feelings when we have to do it on our convictions and our commitment. So when we seek God's face, that means we go through our day. Maybe we're in the car listening to a podcast. Just being fed the word. Maybe we have the music off and we're just having a conversation. But we make God a priority throughout our day. And the final part of that scripture is the part that a lot of us like to skim through real fast. Where it says we turn from our wicked ways. Repentance is about humbling yourself, praying, seeking God, and turning away from your wicked ways. It's not a call to a perfect life. It's a call to a life with God. So at first, I was walking this way, separated from the voice of God. I hear his voice. I decide to listen. So I'm going to humble myself, admit I was wrong, pray, seek his face, and pivot this way. Then I start hearing other loud voices. So I start following those voices. I realize I'm wrong. I get my pride out of the way. I humble myself. I pray. I seek his face. It's a daily choice that I make every single day in order to put myself in step into the presence of God. It's a lifetime journey. It's not a one and done deal. The final point that we have, stay close to the presence of God by dominating distractions. We need to dominate the distractions that keep us from hearing his voice. There's three times in the New Testament that Jesus raises somebody from the dead. And because of the time, I'm going to make sure that I paraphrase. So the first one is John 11, and there's a guy named Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, they send the messenger over to Jesus with a note, and the note says, Lord, the one that you love is dead. So we need, or in this case, first they say, the one that you love is sick. I'm sorry. So it doesn't say, Jesus, this guy loves you. He's devoted his whole life for you. They don't plea Lazarus's case. They remind Jesus of who he is. Jesus's movement in our life has very little to do with how we feel about him and everything to do with his love for us. So that's the first case there. The second one in Luke 7, Jesus arrives in a town called Nain, and there's a man that's being carried out, a dead man. It's a funeral procession, and he looks at the woman. She's a widow, and she just lost her only son. Jesus looks at her, feels compassion, and decides to raise the man from the dead. His compassion proves his humanity. His miracle proves his sovereignty, that nothing is impossible with him. 
And the third one is the one I really want to focus on, which is found in Mark 5. So there's this man named Jairus, and he runs up to Jesus, finds him in a crowd, and he says, listen, my little girl is really sick. I need you. She's 12 years old, literally in her deathbed. Doctors have tried absolutely everything. Nothing is working. Fast forward a little bit. Jesus gets there. Everybody in the house is freaking out. They're all crying hysterically. He looks around, not to be insensitive, but he basically says, why are you crying? So they say, the little girl is dead. You got here too late. So he says, she's not dead. She's asleep. So the people start laughing at Jesus. By the way, laughing at Jesus is never a good idea. But the people start laughing at Jesus. So he tells them, get out. He literally puts everybody out of that room except for the parents, Peter, James, and John. And the reason he had to do that is because the room was filled with people who were keeping it real, filled with fear, bringing down the situation, and he didn't need those distractions. So he puts them all out. So the room is now removed the fear and replaced with faith. A lot of times we don't want to give stuff up because we're afraid of what we're letting go of. But any time that Jesus calls you to give something up, he's always got something better to replace it with. He's not leaving that void. He's filling that void to make sure he's looking out for you and your destiny. So my question is, what do you need to put out of your life? Negative self-talk, addictions, attitudes, mindsets. Sometimes we keep distractions in our life that keep us from our calling because we've grown comfortable. So we feel safe. We don't feel great but at least we know what to expect, right? So we grow comfortable with it. We become friends with the struggle and we try to hold on to it with dear life. But again, anytime, anytime God asks you to let go of something, to release something, whether it's for a season or a lifetime, it's always replaced with something better. Sometimes our distractions can be our excuses or the lies that we believe. Instead of living like we're Christ's heir, we're acting like we're his spare. All the more qualified people were busy. They were unavailable. So Jesus came to us as a last resort. We're holding back instead of living to our full capacity. So what's distracting you from living an empowered life and remaining in the presence of God? It could be something as simple as Netflix. Literally, if your Wi-Fi goes down, how are you going to react? That might show you what you're addicted to. Just saying. All right. There's a couple like twitching people already. Like, wait, is my Wi-Fi down? It's not. Relax. Think about the people in your life too. I know I've done it where I've held on to people in my circle because I was afraid to let go. But you need to evaluate who's in your circle. And if they're not motivating you and bringing out the best in you, you don't have a circle. You have a cage. They're limiting your capacity. They're limiting your potential. They're limiting your destiny. And they're holding you back. They're not setting you free. They're actually holding you captive from living the freedom that you're supposed to be living in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you today. We stay in the presence of God by being engaged through prayer and the word. We need to listen and be ready to act when you hear God's voice, and don't fall for the trap of distractions. There's two verses that are not going to be on the screen, but it's actually the first time I saw this. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, it said, The boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. 
In the New Testament, Luke 2, 52, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and favor with people. The same power that conquered hell, death, and the grave lives in you. The same power that transformed you initially is going to continue to transform you progressively. And his name is Jesus. You know, some of you guys are here today, and you might be Christians, but if you could be really honest, it's been a minute since you felt the presence of God. It's been a while since you've had those conversations. Don't let this moment pass. You might feel like he's present, but you're not engaged. You know that he's talking to you, but you almost feel like the mute button is on, and you can't hear him. What are you going to do today? Don't wait for Monday. Nothing ever happens Monday. What are you going to do today that's going to change that? Whether it's opening the Bible app, reading, maybe reaching out to somebody that's further along in the faith journey or in a better season than you are. Sometimes we need to humble ourselves and reach out to that person and let them come alongside us. But then there's some of you today that this is the first time where you have your questions, you have your doubts, and either you feel like you're far from God or you never really surrender your life to God. And we're going to give you a moment to do that today. So we're going to close our eyes and bow our heads. Maybe as I was talking today, something stood out. Where either it lit a fire or it pushed the button. You realize that you've been coming to church, doing all the right things, but you never really surrender your life to Christ. He's Lord of some parts of your life, but not Lord of all. So whether you've been far from God or it's been a while that you've been in his presence, this is going to be the first time that you're saying, yep, that's me. Today, I've never accepted Christ before, but today I choose to follow him. So we're going to say a prayer. We're all going to say it together. And all the prayer is, is acknowledging who God is, what Jesus has done, and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So you guys are going to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you that I'm not perfect, but your love is. I know that you paid the ultimate price that I couldn't pay. You died on the cross. You rose again just so I can be with you. I have my doubts, but today I choose to follow you. I ask for forgiveness, and I receive your forgiveness. Today is a new start in my future. Eyes closed, heads bowed. If that's you today that you prayed this for the first time, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand and lift it up real high. One, I want you to know that you may not be sure about God, but he's sure about you. Two, your doubts are not too big for God. He loves you. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you and rise on the third day for this moment. Three, if that's you today where you decide today, I choose to follow Jesus, just raise up your hand and raise it up real high if that's you today, just so we know who to pray for. I see that hand. Thank you. Awesome. Lord, we thank you right now for each and every person, for those that decided to make that decision to follow you, Lord, whether they raise their hands or they made that decision in their hearts. And when we ask you, Lord, 
to just continue to be by our side, continue to bless our lives, continue to watch over us, and surround us with the right people so that we can face this journey moving forward closer to you. In your mighty and powerful name we pray. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.